Amen. Thank you, Arnold, the rest of the band. And thank you, David. I told the elders Wednesday morning that, that I wanted to get the church reacquainted with them, and one of my ideas was for them to take turns making the announcements. I looked at David about five minutes ago. I said, you're up first. And so I'm thankful for him, and, and we'll get the other two in here to uh, meet you guys the next few Sundays to go. You know, there's four elders of our church, me and three others, and and three of us, four, have been meeting together every Wednesday morning at 6 for 30-plus years. And we've been praying for each other and, and, and accountable. And uh, I want to tell you first, I, uh, I miss you guys. I miss you guys. I, I'm not much of a hugger, not really a, a hugger at all. But, but today I can hug every one of you. And uh, I just I want you to know I, I, I just miss you. We're in, a, we're in the middle of a chaotic time and businesses are closing. Churches are having to shut down and go virtual. We're being tested in a lot of different ways and so many different angles. These tests that we're facing are not small ones. Governments, business, schools, churches, families, individuals are being tested during this season. Today and uh, next week, we're going to look at a faith that, that passes the test of life. So I need you to, to stick with me at least these couple of Sundays before you pass judgment on this lesson, because I'll probably end rather abruptly today. Most of you have stopped me the past few weeks and expressed con concern about the changes that appear to be taking place in our society during this 2020. And I'm going to address those issues in the next few weeks. I've found that all the answers are in God's Word. So to get started, I want us to return to the first chapter, verses 2 and 3 of the book of James. I love it in the message translation. It says, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides, know that under pressure your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. The true test of our faith is not how high we jump praising God in, in the good times, but rather the test of our faith is how straight we walk in the tough times. This is the true colors. This is where the true colors of our faith are revealed. When we have to choose between what the Bible says to do or we do what we feel like doing or what the culture tells us to do. That's the greatest test of faith. Psalm 53, 2 says, God looks down from heaven on the whole human race to test and see who is acting with understanding and truly seeking him. I want you to underline those words, acting with understanding. You see, God looks down to see how we're responding, how we're reacting to, to the world around us. He looks to see whether we're listening to him or to the culture or to the voices all around us. 
It's my job as your pastor to teach you and, to, and, and me to act with understanding. To act with understanding. A lot of things that, that you and me have picked up or believed from the world are actually dead wrong. Just dead wrong. And that's why we're here at North Point is we try to base everything on the Bible. That's why my goal and our goal every Sunday is to help you see your life, your relationship, and issues from a biblical basis and a biblical worldview. God's word is always the truth, and the truth shall set you free. I want to tell you something. Just because you've been saved by Jesus doesn't mean that you have a biblical worldview. And the reason that you may not have a biblical worldview is you may be spending more time watching the news than reading the good news. As I said last week, you may have your spending too much time on Facebook than actually having your face in his book. So we can be a Christian for many years and still not be acting with understanding, not a biblical basis. We got to know what the Bible says or we're not reacting with understanding. If I'm not basing my behavior on the Bible, I'm going to be wrong every time. But here's a problem that I see. Is the Bible tells us the truth. And that truth, that truth upsets my biases. That's why it's a test of faith. The way that, that I react to the daily events of the world reveal the true colors of my faith. Not only does God test with circumstances, but we can do a self-test, a self-examination. Yeah, you can test your own faith. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, examine yourselves to see if your faith is really genuine. Test yourself. So in the next few weeks, I'd like for you to use these, these, these messages as a spiritual checkup to examine your faith. But here's what I do know. God can't test your, your faith with stuff that's already happened. It's over. It's in the past. He can't test your faith with the future either because it hasn't happened yet. So we got to use current events. What's happening now? God has to use what's happening now in the world right now to test your faith. Capiche? Fortunately, fortunately for us, we got plenty of current problems. Amen? But God can see just how much we trust him. And God can see just how much we love him. And God can see just how much we obey him when he tells us to do something and if we act with understanding. 
God's watching both our actions, our, our reactions, to see how well we think, to see how well we speak, and to see how well we feel and act like Jesus. So in the days ahead, we're going to look at how Jesus wants us to respond to some current issues that's impacting our lives. We're going we're to look at several of them. Uh, uh, COVID-19, which I call a, a viral infirmity, an viral invisible uh, virus. That's the first test we're going to look at. We're going to look at social. We're going to look at financial. We're going to look at racial inequality. We're going to look at political incivility. You put all these together, and it's a giant test of how Christ-like that you really are. And God is watching to see if we think, if we act, if we speak like Jesus Christ in all this test. So today and, and next Sunday, we're going to look at the, the first test. If you're filling in your blanks here, it says God is testing our faith through viral infirmity. We're going to be talking about COVID-19, the pandemic. What's a viral infirmity? It's, a, it's, a, it's an illness you get from a virus. Well, what makes this COVID-19? You heard David talk about it. David's got, the, David's got this big beard and this long hair. You know why? He ain't been an old barber since March, since it first came out. We call him COVID hair. I have a different name for him every Wednesday morning when we go to the elder meeting. But it, it, it's, it's dangerous. It's, it's so dangerous because it's not like the seasonal flu. There's five different characteristics that make this a test for you and me. Number one, it's lethal for some people. Number two, the second characteristic, second characteristic is it's a novel virus. There's no prior human immunity. There's no vaccine. There's no cure. They're working on one. The third characteristic is, is many of the folks around the globe that had it are now reporting long-term damage to lungs and heart, brain, and other organs. The fourth characteristic is this. The carriers of the virus spread it while having no symptoms themselves. And they think they're healthy and they don't want to wear a mask. They just keep spreading it. The fifth characteristic is this. The virus can make a comeback. You can catch it more than once. And these five things make it a serious test for this Pandemic. Now, the word pandemic is a modern term. In the Bible, they use the word plague. Scripture is filled with stories of, of plagues or, or pandemics. Plagues are mentioned over 200 times, thousands of years before science knew anything about germs or, or viruses. God gives specific instructions on isolating 
and quarantining certain diseases. Why? God obviously understood germs and viruses. We didn't. We didn't. All you got to do is go read Leviticus. It's filled with instruction. But I want to look at today, 2 Chronicles 26-21 in the, in the message translation. King Uzziah had a contagious skin disease for the rest of his life and had to live in quarantine. He was not permitted to set foot in the temple of God. So his son Jotham managed the royal palace and governed the nation. 3,000 years ago, this man was quarantined. A king couldn't even go to worship. King Uzziah. Do you know why? They knew that he could affect others. And just so you know, social distancing is not just some modern plot to take away your rights. Let me give you this verse written by King David, Psalm 38. And by the way, he wrote this while he was in quarantine. My friends and companions must keep their distance because of my plague. Even my relatives must stay far away. You see, David got sick with a contagious disease. And he wrote this during quarantine. Now, I want to answer three questions uh, today and uh, next week. We're just going to do one next week. We'll do, do I mean, one today and two next week. We're going to answer today, when do plagues happen in the Bible and what's the reason for them? The next week, we're going to be answering what should we be during, doing during a plague? And when are we going to be able to worship together again? So um, we live on a broken planet. Broken by sin. The Bible says creation groans. Nothing works. Not perfectly. There's, there's death. There's destruction. Many, many different reasons for the plagues. I'm going to show you three today. God allowed plagues in the Bible. Now, if you fill in the blanks, we'll start with number one. Plagues happen because or when we ignore God's rules for living. Plagues happened when we ignore God's rules for living. God has given us the owner's manual for life, the Bible. And in the Bible, God has established a law for living a happy, healthy, holy, and productive life. And when we follow God's plan, things work out well. But anytime we forget God and ignore the playbook, we disobey what God tells us to do and do whatever we please. And things start falling apart physically, emotionally, financially, relationally. We only hurt ourselves when we doubt God's goodness and disobey what he tells us to do. Happens many times in the Bible. Happened many times that it turned into a pandemic. Psalm 106, 13 through 15 says, The people soon forgot God and what he had done for them, and they wouldn't wait for God's plan. Instead, they became greedy and let their cravings run wild. They tested God's patience. So God gave them what they wanted, but he sent 
a plague along with it. Hello? Did you read that with me? What does that mean? What it means is this. There are often unwanted consequences to getting everything we want. It's not always good to get everything we want. All we want to eat, all we get is obesity. All we want to drink, we get alcoholism. Sex, just look back a few years. Age, STDs. Broken hearts, broken family. Large part of the people in the hospital are, are in there caused by their own lifestyle choices. It was in their control. It was in their control but they ignored the healthy principles in God's word. We think we know better. So sometimes there was a plague in the Bible because people just ignored what God said to do and consequences came. Second thing, plagues happen in the Bible when we allow injustice and inequality. When we allow injustice and equality, it happened in Jeremiah's day. I want to tell you something, guys. God hates injustice. God hates inequality. God tells the nation of Israel to set free all the slaves that you got. Well, Israel let them go temporarily. They, they reneged on the deal and then started enslaving the people again. Well, this was a, the final straw for God. Look at Jeremiah 34. God said, a short time ago, you repented and did what was right. You freed your countrymen who had been slaves. You even made a covenant with me about this in my temple. But now you changed your mind and dishonored me. You've enslaved them again in a new slavery. Therefore, here's what I'm going to do. Since you disobeyed me by not giving freedom to all your countrymen, I'm going to give you some freedom. The freedom to die by war or a plague or a famine. And you will be considered a disgrace by the other nations of the world. Any nation that keeps putting people down, paying them slave wages, will be considered a disgrace. God hates slavery. He hates it when other people aren't treated with dignity. He hates it when other people are deprived of their liberty. After this, God allowed the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar to come with his armies and destroy the city of, of Jerusalem and take most of the citizens for slaves for 70 years. Well, that cured Israel permanently of two sins, slavery and the mistreatment of immigrants. God hates injustice and inequality. It was a setup for a plague. 
The third thing about of when we or when there's plagues in the Bible is this. When leaders sin and disobey God. When leaders sin and disobey God. This often brings a plague on, on everybody else. When leaders sin. Everyone under their care gets hurt. Whenever we're tempted to sin, Satan always lies to us. That's why he's called the father of lies. Always lies to us. He tells us things like, Jim, nobody will know it. Jim, and if, if nobody will know it, nobody will get hurt. Satan th- it makes us think that because nobody knows about our secret, private sin, that no one can get hurt. But I got to tell you, while some sins are secret, the effect of them are not. Do you get that? Do I need to say that again? While some sins are secret, the effect of them is not. We always hurt other people when we sin. We always hurt other people when we sin. This is especially true of leaders. And let me get let me tell you something. Everybody is a leader. Everybody is a leader. Maybe among your friends, maybe in a small group, in your family. And everybody is a leader. Guys, guys, ladies, and when you sin, it always affects other people. Other people. Let me read 1 Chronicles 21. It says, David prayed to God. Was it not I who ordered this? I'm the one who has sinned and done wrong. These people are innocent. What have they done? So, oh my Lord, my God, let your hand fall upon me and my family. But don't let this plague remain on your people. You see, this had happened because David had done something God told him not to do. David pridefully ignored it. He was a leader of a nation and 70,000 people died in a plague because of one leader's personal sin. And when he finds out, he cries out to the Lord. You see, our own actions can actually bring a plague on other people. (coughs) We can hurt so many others by not walking in the will of God. (coughs) You may be aware of some sin that you've committed that has hurt other people. And if God brings that sin to your mind this morning, I beg you and I encourage you to confess it immediately and ask forgiveness. Do you hear me? If that sin is brought to your mind, I encourage you to confess it immediately and ask for forgiveness. 
Now, I'm giving you, I've given you three examples of plagues, pandemics. There are many others. But as I close, I want to warn you. I'm your pastor, and I love you. I want to warn you and caution you about presuming that you know the reason why bad things happen because we don't. You don't. Most of the time, we have no idea why bad things happen to good people or even bad people for that matter. We don't know the reason behind much of the suffering in this world. It's presumptuous to even guess. Job's friend says, Job, let me tell you why you're sick. Job, we can tell you why you're in this plague, why you lost everything. None of those yahoos was right. And God rebuked them. So don't get busy right now thinking that you know the reason behind someone hurting really bad because you don't. And also ignore anybody else who arrogantly thinks they know the reason for anyone else who's suffering. Just ignore them because they don't. Why am I saying this? Because just in the last few days, I've heard a lot of people with lots of authority actually say that the, the pandemic is the judgment of God on America. Well, they're dead wrong. They're absolutely dead wrong. Now, I guess America deserves to be judged by God. He's got reasons to do that. But COVID is not, is not a judgment of God on America. Two reasons. First of all, it's global. It's around the world. It just seems like every time there's a disaster, whether it was Katrina or, or, the, or the California fires, some Yahoo starts saying it's a judgment from God. I want to look at 1 Peter 4.17. For when the time of judgment comes, judgment must begin with who? The family of God. Judgment comes with God's own children. What's that mean? He's going to start with the Christians. The judgment's going to start with the Christians, not unbelievers. God's going to not arbitrarily hurt all people. It says he's going to start with the family of God. It begins with us. You know why? Because Christians are the most accountable we know the better. Christians should be responsible. You and me. We should know better. Is that abrupt enough to end? Next week, we'll start with what should we be doing. Let me pray for y'all. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for these folks that sang and played. I thank you for the commitment of the leadership of this church. 
Lord, I pray that we continue to teach the biblical view of doing what's right and what's wrong. Not following the world and that we become leaders in our households and our businesses doing the right thing of what you would say in your word. Lord, I do pray for your favor on the whole world. May this thing be gone and eradicated. Lord, keep your hand on our church. I pray for the other churches around. Lord, we love you. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus I pray. Amen.